0: Good evening and welcome to the nfl draft tonight we officially welcome the next generation of players so if you're ready are you ready let's get it started the nfl draft is officially open welcome Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak, here to recap day one of the 2021 NFL Draft. Ben, we spend our entire lives, every waking moment, thinking about what could happen on draft day. And now we know, at least for this cycle, we got to see what unfolded on Thursday night of the 2021 NFL Draft. You know, it was kind of chalk, but I'm not going to say that out loud because my mock score really well. So actually y'all should just listen to me the entire time. Ben's mock yeah. also scored really, really well, but Ben, I know we don't have a lot of sleep. I know we're running on fumes at this point, but how are you, my friend?
1: I am right. So it's not like I'm seeing colors. This is psychedelic. I have no idea how Thanks. Thanks, Bill or I'm going to be able to podcast after rounds two and three, which are literally tonight. But yeah, I, uh, Oh my goodness. <clears throat> I'm going to die. Uh <laughs> it was a dude I I realized like at by pick 32, I was like, "Oh wow, what a what an interesting first round." And I went to remember it and I could remember like four picks. <laughs> like I'm looking at this list now being like, "Oh my goodness, the the, the Justin Justin Fields did go to the Bears. Like in my head Justin Fields is still a Patriot because that was what would make no sense." He really you know is. What I mean, like the Jets traded the Jets traded Three no two picks in the top 100 to trade up and go get a guard like that's a thing that happened and like Jamin Davis actually was the pick for Washington I knew that a week in and we were still like really like is Jamin Davis I like when you cover the draft like a part of the show it you're so close to it that like I look at this list of players and I'm like this happened and I barely even remember it but I agree like yeah we. We had a lot of pairings, right? We had a lot of first-round expectations, right? I think that, you know, uh, uh, there was the Travis Etienne surprise, and there was the Peyton Turner surprise, and and uh, Gregory was so I didn't think it was going to be first-round. Tevin Jenkins out, Jeremiah Iwusu-Koromoa out. Okay, you know, J.C. Horn to the Panthers. But still, like, a lot of it is very, like, get your head around a bowl. It's just 31 teams did there's things no that make sense. A, and there's no the way that's actual usual, yeah, yeah. It's get your head around a I I, I, Italy, I don't like, think that's... 30, 31 teams made decisions that actually kind of make sense. And then the Raiders were also there. It was a very classic NFL draft. (laughs) We're going to talk about all of our favorite picks, least favorite picks, things that surprised us,
0: things that didn't as we get on with this podcast. Big shout out to Josh Norris before we start this one. Josh was in the building with us at Brinks HQ while we were having our live draft show. And as the night went on, it appeared that. You know a couple of us were having some really great mocks. I feel like TDN just as a whole, we were very plugged into what was going to happen. I finished, I finished fifth in the Huddle Reports mock draft competition. Broke fifties for the first time in my mock draft career, so was very happy about the accuracy that I had there. Ben scored forty-seven, so he was also what final number was that? Was that like thirteenth, top fifteen? Uh, what was that? It
1: was a. It, no, it, it was above five. It was better than five. Don't worry about how the scores work. No, 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 uh, no, no, just, like, I d- no, 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 This is this just is not golf. You
0: are not taking this away from me. I had a better mock draft than you.
1: <laughs> I had the fifth most was...
0: accurate mock draft in the industry, baby.
1: Yeah, I was like fifteen. I want to say. All right, so top uh, and fifteen. So, yeah. well, and hey, obviously, look, locked yeah, on I'm...
0: NFL draft out here being top fifteen. We're two for two going top fifteen. This was all that matters, baby.
1: Imagine not having Jamar chase to the Bengals, baby. Let's go, even though we both thoroughly disagree with the decision.
0: (laughs) That was the big one. That was the one that won us the pick. So, okay, let's let's start in the top five, talking about some of these selections. And we're going to get to five in a second, but we do have to talk about three. We have to talk about the fact that it was Trey Lance going number 3 overall and in Kyle Shanahan's presser after the pick was made, he was kind of all but saying, "Yeah, we were we were fooling the media a little bit." You know, like we we move up to 3 and everybody says to themselves, "Oh, why would they put all this energy into, you know, it, it, thinking that they weren't going to pick Mac Jones or why would they deceive us? There's no reason because no team's going to move up cuz Jacksonville and the, and the New York Jets aren't going to move down." Yeah, sure, but maybe Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were just having a little fun with you. You know, and that's kind of what it seemed like it was. They spoke after the pick as if that it was always kind of going to be Trey Lance, or at least it just, it wasn't going to be Mac Jones. And I really feel like when it came to mock drafts, this was a giant fork in the road. Either you had Lance or you had Mac. And if you didn't get this one right, there were a lot of dominoes that probably happened throughout your mock draft and where you weren't able to get certain prospects to their teams that the way it actually happened. So Lance goes to the 49ers. And I feel like this was always the pick. And not only was this always the pick, it was always, to me, Trey Lancer, Justin Fields. Like, it had to be. I I mean, the reports were out the, the last week or so, wow, really, since the trade was made a month ago. And it was like, okay, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. But we continue to sit here on this podcast and these broadcasts and these conversations. We're just like, How? How is this a thing? And Why? maybe it, right, be, Right. all of these questions. Where? And it ends up not Wonder even being the case. Conditions. We didn't even have to worry about it at all. Lance goes number three. And unless you want to say that Justin Fields should have been the pick here, because I would tell you that Justin Fields should have been the pick here, you got to be happy with Trey Lance over Mac Jones.
1: I got to tell you, the, uh, the most underrated and appreciated part of draft night was you remember when Schefter was on ESPN a couple of days ago and he was like, the Niners have Trey Lance graded out as the smartest quarterback. And they have Mac Jones as the most athletic in the pocket. Doing like the whole Schefter voice thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they make the pick at three and it's Trey Lance, Schefter tweets out uh, the Niners had um, uh, their, their psychological testing is what it was. He said that the Niners psychological testing it, they had. Trey Lance great out as their best psychological tester. They had him by far as quote the smartest quarterback in this draft. And it's all right, Adam, we get it. Someone told you that they have Trey Lance as the smartest and that somehow Mac Jones is the most I thought of from the pocket and you got made fun of because that's dumb and <laughs> now you're going to defend it by being like he did really good on a psych test for them and that's very sweet we're very proud of you um you also said the pick is 100 mac jones like two months ago or a month ago so let's not forget the whole history here right I least I'm, we forgot it, it was appropriate that it was Trey lance uh you know i think right you've heard rumors you've heard people talk about how shanahan's love Lance since 2019, uh, or before the 2019 season, and which doesn't make any sense because Lance hadn't even taken a snap yet. It's like there's a lot that goes on, I think, as per usual. Like Occam's raised the most simple explanation, the one that makes logical sense is true. The Niners liked Jones at 12, they traded up to three because they wanted to get a better quarterback, yep, than they had, yep, and a better quarterback than that mold. People knew that they liked Mac at 12, so they connected Mac to three. And I think the whole time they were willing to take, they want to take a better quarterback. I do believe that Lance and fields are both in play that Mac was still in play. I do think the optionality was attractive to them, but I, I, from the day the trade was made, I didn't see how uh, Mac was going to be the pick. And, and he wasn't uh, would. I'm one of the things I'm most curious about is how the Niners landed on Lance over fields. Cause that's a legitimate question. You know what I mean? Like, why was it? And obviously, other teams passed on fields as well. Um, but for the Niners specifically, who obviously had so many eggs in that quarterback basket. Uh they passed on Justin Fields. I'd be curious, you know, Shanahan's worked with him closely. I'd be curious what Shanahan would say. He kind of parsed that hair. Uh, just to just, just out of a, a curiosity perspective, uh, that the Panthers passed on Fields. Uh, I think it was a surprise. A lot of people had the Panthers so want to take a quarterback that the, the 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 Broncos passed on fields. We saw like uh, Lance Irline, Dane Brugler, and Daniel Jeremiah all have the the Broncos still go for a quarterback at nine, even after the Bridgewater trades. That was a surprise. Eagles trade up to 10. I promised myself I wouldn't believe it was for Justin Fields. I 100% started getting excited for Justin Fields. I was devastated when it wasn't Justin Fields. Uh, the Bears are the team that goes and gets him. And this, I think, is, is a, such a good example of how hard it is to evaluate general managers. Because if you had asked me two days ago, who's one of the worst drafters in the league, or at least one of the worst... Uh, like in terms of approaching it and trading up and value and whatever, I've been like Ryan Pace, man. Like he just makes mistake after mistake. And then I think he made the best move of the first round. Do I think he's a good GM? No. And that's why it's really hard to evaluate these general managers a lot. You know, you, you get good runs, you get dry spells, and you got to kind of ride the wave a little bit. Um, but Trey Lance at three to the Niners, I think is is a good pick, is an appropriate pick. I understand it. I would have preferred Fields. Uh, and for the the Bears to be able to get Fields, not have to trade up into the top ten and have that trade be, I want to say it was a one, a four, and a five. Uh, yeah. That that's that's the best move of the first round.
0: No, I th- I think so too. And I think that when you look at number three, logic totally prevailed. You know, this is this last month, March and April. We know it is smokescreen season. It's a lot of people hearing. Certain things, and, and we know that, that media members, big media members oftentimes, get manipulated. And I think that that's what was the case here. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think that the 49ers would have been comfortable picking Mac Jones at number 12. And then when they moved up to three, everyone said, oh, they're moving up for Mac. No, why would that make any sense? And it, it, never, it never made sense to anybody who was really sitting on the outside, who wasn't getting the direct sources from people why in the world they would do this because that was not his range there was no reason to do this right i mean i even tweeted the night before the draft there's no need it's the, just unnecessary I, correct yeah I, and that's basically what it was the the range with mac jones and the reason why the reason why i said that there was a fork in the road very early when it came to mock drafts and how accurate you were going to be this year is because if you had mac jones going going number 3 overall That meant that there were a lot of teams that we believed would have moved up, would have got aggressive, would have, you know, traded down to let another team go up and get. Like, there are so many different options then with both Justin Fields and Trey Lance on the table. I think the Detroit Lions would have been interested in Trey Lance. I think the Carolina Panthers would have been. I think the Denver Broncos. I think the New England Patriots. Like, all of these teams all of a sudden are extremely interested in Trey Lance if Mac Jones goes number three overall. If he doesn't, Look at every mock draft that had Trey Lance. Where was Mac Jones going? 15 and beyond. And I would have told you that most most mock draft picks would have had him going 20 to Chicago. So how in the world did we get from a situation that, yes, every team is a little bit different, but how do we go from this guy's either the number three overall pick in the draft in which a team traded three first-round picks to go up and get him, or he's pick number 20 is QB5 how there the 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 gap there never made any sense there was not there were not enough dots to connect to really throw this one into logic at all whatsoever and so we were just forced here to sit here the couple of weeks leading up to the draft thinking is Kyle Shanahan really this crazy is he this nuts? Because that would have been just objectively one of the worst selections in the draft, giving up everything that they, had, that they did to, to go up to number three. And instead, we don't have to talk about that. We get to talk about Trey Lance. and Popping up to Justin Fields a little bit, I agree with you 100%. This is the best pick in the first round. This is the pick of the 2021 NFL Draft. The fact that Fields fell just outside the top 10 and the fact that Chicago, like you said, didn't have to go up to those teams that were already really fielding offers and probably had the prices very high. They instead get to pick on a Dave Gettleman who does not have a lot of experience moving back in the draft. Moved up for really, like you said, relatively not much at all to go get Justin Fields. I don't want to take this away from Ryan Pace, but you said it was, the, it was the, the the pick of the draft in in for his sake. But this is almost an obvious, right? I mean, with him, with Fields getting outside of the top 10, you have to make this move. This is the only chance you have to save your current regime with the Chicago Bears. And so... I don't want to take too much away from him because, you know, he did it. He went up. Right. And, he went up and got Justin Fields. But the fact that Fields got to eleven, that w- this was a no brainer at this point. Chicago had to have been calling every team that they had right there.
1: Thought it was for Mac, man. I believed it. I was like, he's, he's coming up for Mac. This is of course it, it's Mac Jones, baby. Now Bears. Been, now that would have been bad. That would have been bad. We're just gonna just gonna Mac Jones in here. We go, and it wasn't. And thank goodness for that. Um, the Fields fit in Chicago. Like, it'll be interesting. Uh, Fields in Chicago now. I'm confident Fields is going to be a good pro. I really like this film. Dangerous spot behind that offensive line. Would love to see the Bears be able to improve that. Because if anything's going to mess Fields up, uh, it's going to be dealing with early pressure. Because he has a little bit of, of playmaker hero syndrome. He has a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz. I'm gigantic in the pocket and I can survive anything syndrome. Uh, and if he... Is holding onto that ball too long as he's acclimating to NFL speed. Uh, I think he might start taking a lot of hits. He's been banged up the last couple of years, uh, and that's going to stunt his development. Uh, and so, really like Justin Fields, didn't love the Bears' landing spot for pretty much any quarterback. <laughs> um, and 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 for Fields particularly, I think there's there's a worry here about how he manages a pocket and and what that's going to be for him in Chicago. Uh, top ten picks, eh, top. Thirteen picks, top sixteen. Do whatever you want. Biggest surprise, who jumps out to you? because so I have I have a, a name or two, but I who of the, of these these early picks were you just like oh okay? Well, what 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 are we doing here? We doing top sixteen? Which one do you want me to do? Top fifteen? Which one? Well, I said top ten, but I didn't want you to like not be able to pick twelve if you didn't want to. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. I'm that's- trying to give you room
0: to grow here buddy no that's the i mean that's the pick that i'm, that I'm pointing out Dallas Cowboys going Michael Parsons is number 12 overall and i got to start this discussion by saying look i had parsons as a top 10 player in this class loved this film think he's extremely talented don't get it for Dallas i understand that Sean Lee just retired i understand that Jalen Smith can't stay healthy i understand that they didn't pick up the fifth year option on Layton Vanderash that's fine but i i think this is a panic move for for the Dallas Cowboys i i don't think this makes them that much better right now. They're not addressing the things about this team that are going to hold them back. Mainly secondary, but also offensive line. Rashawn Slater was sitting there on the board. We saw what happened with Dallas. Now they got unlucky last year with injuries, but Rashawn Slater is a flexible, fantastic offensive lineman. Right after that, Rashawn Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker. Boom, boom. There you go. Two extremely talented, very versatile offensive linemen go off the board. Those could have gone to the Dallas Cowboys, and I think that they could have used them. It could have helped. I know some depth guys were able to step up and really proved that that they could at least hold their own but man it's just this Dallas offensive line a couple of years ago was one of the best in the NFL it was unquestioned one of the best in the NFL and they're getting older contracts are coming up like i just feel like even an offensive line pick would have been more valuable for the Dallas Cowboys than Micah Parsons they've already got the two linebackers mm-hmm. there and i i mean what are you what are you just planning on both of them to fail at this point who's your cb2 what are you throwing Jordan Lewis out there on the outside well, I, I just right. I, I, don't, I don't know. This pick just does not make the Dallas Cowboys better. This is a pick that is, you would have to truly build the team around Micah Parsons. And if that's the case, you're moving on for Vanderas. You're moving on for Jalen Smith. Now you need more linebackers around him, anyways. And I like Parsons. But for Dallas, I don't know how much this pick actually makes them any better. And I, I really do think that Dallas panicked. I know they said after the draft that they had Parsons rated above both J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan on their board. They said that, but I think they panicked. I don't
1: believe it. I do not Uh, believe it. No.
0: When J.C. Horn went eight, when Patrick Sertan went nine, I think the Dallas Cowboys absolutely panicked, because why in the hell else would you make a deal with a divisional team with the Eagles for them to move up to go get their guy? They could have been. Ben, the Eagles, sorry to remind you of this, could have moved up for Justin Fields. Dallas had to have that in the back of their mind, that they were comfortable trading two spots down. Just two spots down. Who gives a damn? You move two spots down with a divisional opponent who is finally in a bad spot with a quarterback, and you almost gave them the opportunity to take Justin Fields. Don't tell me this wasn't a panic move from Dallas. It absolutely was, in every way. I do not believe them. I do not
1: believe what they said after the draft. Because it ends up not being Fields, it ends up being Devontae Smith. They trade with the eagles and end up helping the eagles screw the giants who are another divisional rival <laughs> right. so it's like a, it's, a, it's, it's hilarious like a, it's like an i've won but at what cost or like did you do it yes what did it cost everything it's like you know like it's like this This is a zero sum event this wasn't actually what they needed you know what i mean like because it ends up helping philadelphia uh i don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily think the parsons pick was a panic move i think they're okay with the parsons pick i agree with you that the trade with the eagles is a peculiar the eagles and the cowboys have now traded in back-to-back seasons i don't like this i don't want this like even if it helped the eagles I, i'm uncomfortable with this this seems weird but parsons can make sense because i think you're not picking up lane vanderich's fifth year and i think jalen smith has been really really bad recently uh it's not that Picking a linebacker it's not that a linebacker wasn't a need for the Cowboys. It's that they put a first round pick on Leighton Van Der Esch, and they put a second round pick on Jalen Smith. And now fast forward a couple of years and they want to improve upon their circumstances there. And you would have hoped that after spending a first and a second on linebacker and then two, three years later, having a needed linebacker would have told them, hey, maybe we should not be spending early picks on linebackers. And obviously Parsons doesn't have like health and injury concerns. You know what I mean? Like Van Der Esch obviously coming out, had a little bit of a conversation. Then obviously Jalen Smith had the terrible injury when he was at Notre Dame. And so, okay, they've got a healthier one. But they've now invested so much into a position that we are seeing in the NFL role players be successful in. And I'm saying this carefully because this is a Dan Quinn defense. They're going to play a single high and they're going to play a ton of zone. They need good cover linebackers in zone. They need size, and that's what Michael Parsons is going to offer you. Uh, I was about to say length, but I realized yesterday that Michael Parsons actually is not as long as I thought he was, but you need that the, those quality zone cover linebackers to work that approach. So I understand why the Cowboys particularly are investing, but again, like you don't want to look back on a series of drafts and see that you prioritized linebacker. Because t- th- that's not what we consider a premium position. So, okay, you needed a linebacker. Okay, you had Parsons ranked highly. Man, uh, maybe, yeah, the board didn't fall for you and you just decided to take uh, a BPA, and that that's appropriate. But I don't think that history will reflect kindly on this rotating carousel of early picks at linebacker. Um, I had the same pause with the Jets pick at 13 which is a player who I love, a player who I had ranked above Rashawn Slater. My number two offensive lineman in the class is Elijah Vera Tucker. I think getting him at 14 was excellent. I thought Minnesota would take him if he were on the board. Uh, Minnesota said trades out of that pick, but once again, we're talking price here. The Jets sent 66 and 86. That's two second-round picks. No. That's a second and a third-round pick. No. Yeah.
0: Sixty-six is a third-round pick.
1: Okay, it's listed as second on NFL.com. <laughs> Take it up with that. Back. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But it's, it's two third-round picks. Okay, so two third-round picks then. It, it's listed as a second. I'm not doing math at this hour. <laughs> two third-round picks, and they, 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 they get a fourth back. Uh-huh. But that is substantial investment in Gord. And I love Elijah Vera Tucker, but I also love. Day three guards, because a lot of times day three guards are successful. This is a position where you can get starters late. And Joe Douglas is like, I'm a build in the trenches. And it's sick. And I dig it. And we're going to watch Makai Beckton and Elijah Vera Tucker play next to each other. And we're going to lose our God-given minds. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. But we won't know what 66 and 86 could have become for the New York Jets, a team with desperate corner needs, a team with desperate edge and linebacker needs, a team still with wide receiver and running back needs. Man, 66, 86, that could have been Michael Carter. It could have been Jermar Jefferson, Trey Sermon, Kenny Gainwell. You know, there there, were going to be good players available there. And I like Elijah Vera Tucker. But I, I like even more Christian Derosaw at 23, Tevin Jennings at 23, solving your right tackle problem, and then having those picks later. Uh, and so, I, you know, a lot of people – were sharing their their personal big boards during the first round and saying, mm-hmm. oh, I had these my top 12 players went in the top 12 picks, bang. It's like, that is good, but I do question the valuation for a couple of these teams here. I, I
0: want to say that I respect the, like you said, the valuation process of each pick, right? I mean, you, for the most part, I believe the majority of the time, you need to operate with a good understanding of valuation and you need to make those picks accordingly. I'm okay with this. I don't care. Elijah Vera Tucker is a very good offensive lineman. Yeah, The New York Jets need offensive linemen. It doesn't matter. They need tackles. They need interior. They need everything. They just drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. They've got to make a commitment like they haven't made a commitment to the last few quarterbacks that they've had to really improve that offensive line and get something in front of them that he could trust. This is fine for me because it pops them up from 23 to 14 to make this pick. Yes, they move two third-round picks, but they have the one at the top of the second round that they still have this year. They also have... Uh, two fourth-round picks now, two fifth-round picks, two sixth-round picks, and a seventh. And, oh, guess what? Next year, two firsts, two seconds, two fifths, three sixths, and, oh, no, just one fourth. Okay, I thought it was going to be emphasis there, so I missed a punchline. But all that to say, Ben, this was almost a winless New York Jets team. Mm-hmm. This team is not ready to compete. They are not sitting here thinking, hey, if we hit the jackpot on this draft class, even this draft class alone, we're sitting here in the playoffs. They're in a division with the Patriots. They're in a division with the Buffalo Bills. This is not their time. Go get the right players. I talk about this, I, I've talked about this before. Yeah, the draft is about value and you need to operate it accordingly. I would tell you, the majority of the time. But every now and then there are a handful of picks in which you just you need to go. That's our guy. Let's go get our guy. Because guarantee, you, Elijah Vera Tucker was on the board for the Vikings at 15 if they would have stayed. Arizona Cardinals, Elijah Vera Tucker would have been on there. Las Vegas Raiders, Elijah Vera Tucker probably would have been on there. All of these teams that were that were way ahead of them before the Jets picked at the 23, they were going to take this guy. And you could sit here and say, you could sit here and play the hindsight game and go, well, Tevin Jenkins would have made it to you at 30 at, at 23, so you could have just taken Tevin Jenkins. You know, who did Minnesota take at 23? It's a Christian Derrissaw. You could have moved up and taken Christian Darisaw. Okay, sure. Yes, all of these things are good in hindsight, but that's not how the draft works in the moment. So I would totally agree with you that for the most part, valuation is very, very important, especially when it comes to individual picks. You need to be smart. You almost need to hold yourself back sometimes. But every now and then, there are these moves that you need to make. And I do not think this move broke the bank for the Jets at all whatsoever. Yeah, three third-round picks, but like you said, they get a third back, so that's fine. Essentially, it's a third and a little bit of change when it comes to value to move up a handful of spots to go get the guy that they want to play next to Makai Becton to have versatility along their offensive line and to make sure that they can have the best five out there for the next couple of years once their winning window starts in two to three years. Two years is what they would like, but this is the kind of move that you make for that. So I don't hate it, man. Joe was so pissed last night when we were on the live stream because nobody else would go after this pick because of the value. Like he was saying, you're moving up three spots or you're moving three third-round picks for a guard. But I don't see it like that. I see it more big
1: picture for the Jets. And honestly, man, I love the move. I just, my, to me, like, as a GM, like, I would do all the work on the draft class and then I'd have a giant sign in the middle of my war room over the the doorway that says, everybody who's ever traded up for a player ever thought that player was going to be the man and 50% of them busted, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like sure. It's always it's always like we always have more confidence than we should in our ability to evaluate players. And so whenever you have significant trade-ups, it always worries me because there's so many more eggs in the basket of Elijah Vera Tucker, who I love hitting, than you'd like to be in one player's basket for him to hit.
0: See what I'm saying? I do, no, trust me. I do see what you're saying. But I what also... Love it. Love the move. And you saying there, hey, I love Elijah Vera Tucker. So do the Jets, and I think he's going to be a good pro too. Get him on your football team. I think that that's sometimes what it's about. Not all the time. Like I said, it's not something you want to do. You don't want to be reckless all the time in this way. But every now and then, go make a move to go get your guy. I think that's important. That's an important recipe for a good GM. In the NFL draft. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced and limited edition designs at a fair price. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings to bring joy to anyone's life. If you're on the hunt for the perfect ring that your significant other will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at. Lunile.com. More thoughts on the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft coming up after the break. All right, Ben. We've talked a little bit about the first half of the draft. And if there's some other things that you want to mention, you, of course, have the floor. This is Full Freedom. It's your podcast as well, buddy. But... Let's also shift focus towards the second half of the draft with some surprise selections, some selections that, oh, like you said at the beginning of the show, we knew were coming and actually came true, and some picks that
1: either you love the value or you hate it. People were like, hey, maybe the Jaguars could take a running back in round one. I was like, all right, well, yeah, but that'd be dumb. And then they did. What the frick?
0: I am so mad at myself. You had it. Because the allies of the pod know this. For the last two weeks, I said Urban Meyer at number 25 is going to take a dynamic offensive playmaker. And he's not going to want to risk it or wait for that guy to be available at the beginning of the second round.
1: And, and then I Kedarious changed it. Tony And Kadarius Tony got sniped. It could have been Tony at 25. Right!
0: Right! I am so I I you know what when I get to heaven one day and God's gonna be like hey what's up this is heaven you know like you can do whatever you want I'm gonna be like can you do a favor for me and he's gonna be like yeah sure what's up and I'm gonna say can you take me back to the 2021 NFL draft and see the other reality in which the Giants did not take Kadarius Toney and if he was available at twenty five would the Jaguars have taken him? Cause I think he would have. And then I don't know, and then I'd go like walk the streets of gold. I don't know, just be like singing sh- all the time. Right. Just like jump yeah. around on
1: clouds. I'm not sure. All vibes. Uh, Big heaven this vibes. Whole, like, This whole, like, Travis Etienne is going to be a, a, a third down back, ludicrous. The idea that they're going to rotate guys and try to be a very high percentage running team, be, run fast balance, that sounds more legit, and that's worrisome. Um, you don't want your offensive designer, head coach, to be dedicated to the running game in the 21st century football. And it sounds like Urban Meyer will be, and it sounds like he's excited to be. Uh, I don't. When they hired Urban, I didn't, I got it, but I didn't think it was going to go great. And nothing that has really happened since then has led me to believe it's going to go great. And I think that this ETN pick is like, again, it's not like bad. He's a good ball player. Uh, I don't think it's an appropriate use of value. And it worries me as an indicator of the direction that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to head under Urban. Yeah.
0: I mean, you you know, you know mentioned the Las Vegas Raiders at the beginning kind of poking fun of them and saying that, oh, the draft went the way we thought it was and also the Raiders did something dumb. This is, I mean, this is going to kind of be the thing here. I think as long as Gruden's with the Raiders and as long as Urban is with the Jaguars, you're going to get these picks that are kind of off the wall that you just did not expect. I feel like that's something that's easy to predict with what we have going on here. A lot of people look at this situation and they go, they have James Robinson, right? They hit the jackpot. They got a running back. Who is an undrafted free agent and he is in a thousand he was a thousand yard back for them in his rookie season. Like that's the jackpot. You didn't spend a single draft pick on this running back. He was an undrafted free agent, and he is good. Like they, this is what everybody talks about in the running backs don't matter. You can get one anywhere. The Jaguars had it. Guys, nobody who is currently there drafted James Robinson. Coach James Robinson knows anything about James Robinson. They probably watched the tape, of course. But like this pick should not surprise you at all whatsoever. You think Urban Meyer, the king of getting five-star athletes at every single position he can at Florida and at Ohio State, right. is going to be like, oh, cool, undrafted free agent or running back. I'm going to work with that. No, right. absolutely he had a, not. He
1: had, the first quote he gave was when I watched the film on the Jags last year, I noticed a lack of team speed. But yeah, I also noticed James Robinson with 400, 1,400 yards from scrimmage. But, yeah, also I noticed he ran a 4.64. Four. And, like, yeah,
0: J- the thing is that, like, James Robinson was great for you, especially above expectation. But I never thought James Robinson would get in the way of Urban Meyer upgrading running back. Did I think it was going to be the first round? No. But if it was going to be for any running back in this class, who would it have
1: been for, Ben? Travis Etienne. Travis,
0: Travis Etienne.
1: This is, like, this is I, the deal. I went to think of a super speedy running back in this class, and it's actually a relatively slowish running back class. Puka Williams. I don't know. Is he fast? What, what did he run? He's decent. I think he's, more, he's quicker than fast. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes. All 32 picks available. Player you are just simply most excited to see in their landing spot. Ready to go. For? Oh, so, okay, so. Who you are you most excited? I'm so excited that he is here.
0: Why are you putting him on the spot like this? Uh, you go
1: first. You go Jaylen first. Phillips, I, didn't, Jaylen, I didn't know, the, I didn't know this. Jalen Phillips, Edge, Miami, and okay. now at Miami. Oh, uh, I have an answer now, but go ahead. Oh, wow. It's almost like if you just didn't whine and paid attention for two seconds, you would have had an answer. Why would I do Jaylen that? Jalen Phillips, Edge, Miami, in Miami. I think that the Phillips debate qu- questions and, and process, right? There's the medical aspect of it. He has had concussions in the past, and then there's the – Uh, demeanor aspect of it. When he had concussions, how did he handle it? We've heard people talk about he had disagreements with the medical staff and the medical staff thought he could play and he thought he couldn't. And obviously the medical retirement from football and he had the non-football injury where he was on his scooter and he crashed. Uh, There's a lot of conflicting reports. I don't know exactly what happened with Jalen Phillips at UCLA. Heard a lot of different things. Um, But we know the league was doing work on how dedicated is this guy to football how will he deal with adversity? Uh, if he does get injured, God forbid, will he work hard to bounce back? What's he going to be like as a professional? Because the five-star, number one overall recruit talent is totally undeniable. This is a eight to 10 sack per year player, the only one, in my opinion, in this class who has that potential, uh, coming out in year one and then through his career. So it's all about how is he going to handle the adversity, the lumps, uh, the bumps, the, the swells, the, 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 the valleys of NFL play. Brian Flores is about as good of a culture coach as I think there is in the league. I think that the the Miami Dolphins defensive locker room laced with veterans who are successful and, and uh, guys who have been early picks, middle round picks, late picks. I think it's a very, very good place to be in order to keep Jalen Phillips' eyes forward and head screwed on straight. I think if Phillips does have an injury in Miami, that that locker room and that coaching staff mm-hmm will be what is necessary to, to keep him motivated, to keep him amped up. But I think if he does experience that that difficult initial onboarding in the NFL, he's been a five-star recruit, who's dominated everybody he's faced his entire mm-hmm. life. If he gets tougher in the NFL, I think that they're going to be good to keep his head on straight and to keep him motivated. I think that Phillips seems to me, from what I understand, which is a limited scope, but from what I understand, seems like a player who needs a good supporting cast in his building. Mm-hmm. And I think Miami has that, and so I I, I long had Phillips to Miami, at my uh, final mock I had him go one pick earlier to the Raiders, and then I gave him quitty pay. Uh, but I think Phillips is I think Miami will be very very good for Phillips, and then as we know, given the the premium on ha- on having a pass rusher who can win one on one that the Dolphins had, Phillips will be good for Miami uh, so long as he can he can and stay the course. And so I really think this Dolphins defense there's there's, there's three conditions here: Phillips has to hit. I think he will. Uh, they got to continue getting that high turnover play out of Xavier Howard or out of a combo of Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I don't think you're gonna get ten picks again from Zayvon, but let, 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 let's keep that uh, that going there, right? That that production, ball production, turnovers, interceptions from the defense, and then Bernardrick McKinney or linebacker on day two. But I, a stacked linebacker still worries me there just a little bit. If we get those those three things working, top. Three defense, I think, is a a reasonable, if aggressive, prediction for the Miami Dolphins. And at that point, now it's just uh, to a running game, uh, a passing game. Just get us 24 points, and we'll be able to do the rest against our regular season schedule. We'll make the playoffs. So I I love Miami's first round, and I particularly am so pumped to see Jalen Phillips really hit his potential, which I think he can do with the Dolphins.
0: Uh, As I said at the top of the show, I did uh, pretty decent. On my mock draft that I submitted. So I don't want to complain too much. Because it's my highest score ever. But I was talking with Ryan Fowler. Uh, so one of the guys who works with us here at the Draft Network. Who also had a very good mock last night. And we were just chatting about like the couple of picks that we missed. That are the ones that kind of just like. They just eat it. You're like oh man it like it could have been this. And the Jalen Phillips selection going to Miami. Was, was a funny domino for me. Because I had Jalen Phillips as the first edge rusher off the board. At Minnesota at fourteen, and I really do believe that if Minnesota would have stayed at fourteen, they could have very well taken Jalen Phillips. If I was
1: J- I was told when they were on the clock that if they they were picking Pay, and then oh so same, they would have, and that same person told me like you know a minute or two minutes later whatever they're taking a call from the Jets.
0: Oh man, okay, so yep. I I had them taking Jalen Phillips, and then I had Miami taking Quitty Pay, and then I had the Colts taking jason away so it was just this like domino where it was like right. i i thought that the vikings could have gone edge and if it was it was going to be this guy dolphins would have gone this guy and then the colts i was just i was it, it was one of those picks that when it when it came up that Quiddy pay was the pick for the indianapolis colts i was like god like if, if he would have been available in my mock this would have been an easy choice here but it ends up the dominoes go a little bit the different way so it's it's always a little bit frustrating when you nail the need you just didn't have the ability to select the guy because you had him going earlier in the draft. That was the case there with me. No, I think that Phillips is a great selection for for Miami to come away in this draft with Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle. I mean, two of the most talented players in this class, right? And you, and you get both of them within your top 18 picks. I think that's an absolute home run for him. By the way, did you see Jalen Waddle when he was in the the green oh, absolutely.
1: room? Absolutely, absolutely. Tremendous energy. Exactly what I would have done. It was unbelievable, man. Ally of of the podcast. Just sitting there, totally impassive, shades on indoors, knows he's about to get picked. He gets picked, name is announced, family jumps up, screaming, Snapchats are out, we're taking selfies. Let's turn to Jalen. Jalen Waddle calmly stands up and just walks off screen. Immediately walks away from his family. uh, I'm going to go see my boy Raj. I'm going to (laughs) go get my jersey, number one overall pick. All y'all people, I never liked you guys. Y'all only liked me <laughs> because I'm a be heck out of here. I have no idea what Jalen Waddle thinks that. It was just me, me projecting on him. I'm sure no, listen,
0: family. listen. This oh. dude looked like he stood up, adjusted the button on his suit, turned to his left, started immediately walking, saw Roger Goodell, got the handshake, got the jersey, got on a private plane to Miami. Right. What's up? No, no, New no, no, life, no. leaving it in the past.
1: Get Brian me out of Flores, Cleveland. Brian Flores called him up and was like, Jalen, we're so excited to have you. Man, you to be a big playmaker for us. We're so excited to draft you. And Waddle's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Now, does this option route, is it adjusted 8 or 10 yards? It's like a four- or five-step thing. And Waddle's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I already know the whole playbook. Get me in the building. Get me in the building. We're going to win a championship. Waddle's all business. I love it.
0: (laughs) That was one of my favorite moments in the green room All, all night when we were watching the broadcast last night. Okay, to answer your question, a pick in the back half of the first round that I just absolutely love, that I cannot wait to see, is Rashad Bateman. Going that to is, the Baltimore yeah, 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 Ravens. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is perfect, yeah. right? You and I have talked about this so much because Bateman is a guy who, if you watch his 2019 tape, he's a player who could do it all. He can line up on the outside. He could beat you quickly with his footwork and with, with his with his early route running. He could beat you over the middle of the field. I think he's good with separation quickly, and I think he's also good catching through traffic. I mean, he's that kind of a player who can marry right now what the Ravens have in their passing game because I think it's I think it's too different right now. When the Ravens throw to their wide receivers, they are throwing speed, they are throwing vertical, they are throwing to the sideline. That's just what they do with their receivers. It's either quick stuff, screens, or it's deep. They're just trying to maximize their speed. So when they target their receivers, that's what they're doing. When they target their tight ends, it's over the middle. It's contested catch stuff. It's trying to attack middle zones and find soft spots. And those are good ideas, but to me, it's too different. There, there, there's not enough there to marry those passing ideas, that passing ideology together. And I think Bateman is the perfect player to do that because he can do both for you. He can be a guy who you line up on the outside who can then cut over the middle, right? I mean, I see Chris Godwin do this all the all the time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He does such great work on in-breaking routes, whether it's slants or just 10-yard ins or post routes or whatever it is. he does so many of these things over the middle which open up the rest of the offense, either to the sideline or behind him or over him or just whatever a complementary route might be on that play. Bateman has the ability and the talent to do all of that really, really well. So I truly feel like Rashad Bateman's going to step in right away and maybe might not be wide receiver one or target one because they have... Um, I think it will be. They have Mark Andrews and they have, uh, who am I, Marquise Brown. I was forgetting Marquise Brown's name. They have those guys in there who they're going to target heavily. But Bateman is going to be, Bateman might be that, that, that clip, that staple, that nail that brings everything together with the passing offense. And he is going to be emphasized plenty, especially if he is healthy. So this is absolutely the spot that I look to right away. And I say, I'm so excited to see this guy change this offense around because I think that's what's in the cards for Bateman.
1: Right. If I was going to ask you one more unprompted question that you didn't appreciate because I didn't tell you to prepare for it, yes, it was going to be who's the player that we're going to look at in eight months and say, how did this dude fall to these guys? Uh, you know, when we're in the regular season and he's playing great. Mm-hmm. And my answer was going to be Rashad Bateman. Uh, it's funny because, like, we had fully talked ourselves into edge and offensive tackle and safety because of who the Ravens are and what they want to do. But when they lost that playoff game, right which to the uh they beat the Titans then they lost to the Joe did the Ravens lose to the Bills or the Chiefs in the AFC playoffs. Joe Who did the Ravens <laughs> lose to in the AFC playoffs? <laughs> Who did the Ravens lose to in the playoffs in the AFC? Bills. The Bills. I thought it was the Bills. All right, so when the Ravens lost to the Bills as I thought. Uh as you always believe, we and didn't need help on. We all we all sat there and said, "Hey, they need a real passing game." And you know what? Rashad Bateman is a three-level threat. Uh, he can work from the slot and from the outside. Has done both very well in his college career. He can go contested catch. He can yards after the catch because he's tough as nails. And critically, he is a possession receiver. And when we talk about possession receivers, they get undervalued in, in the general discourse. We talk about rack guys. We talk about deep threats and X's that release off the line against press and whatever. Possession receivers are consistent. They have reliable hands. They catch through hits over the middle of the field. They run routes with timing. These players are the players you want on your team on third and five. And that's the Ravens' problem. It's not their first and ten passing game when they can go play action and they can go vertical and they can give you the threat of the run in the backfield. It's whenever the defense gets them in a clear passing situation, that drop back passing game is just bupkis. It is not good. Rashad Bateman is who you want on that third down because is he going to give you as many 20 pluses as Jalen Waddle? Absolutely not. Is he going to give you as much rack over expectation as Devonte Smith? Absolutely not. But he's going to pick up third and six and that's what the Ravens offense needs. And so I think he is going to be high volume for the Ravens, right? Not in the league, but for the Ravens. And I think he's going to be, oh, so desperately valuable to that team and their ability to move the sticks. So I, I love it. You're right. Rashad Bateman absolute dude glad that he got in the first round i think that's very deserving for his skill set uh ravens doing what is necessary and saying we are a run first team we love running the ball but man we've missed on wide receiver lately we have to get this pick right and they did
0: i would tell you just as another name to throw out there for that question caleb farley right now and we know why he fell because of the injury concerns but he goes 22 to the Tennessee Titans, and we're, we're sitting here in a, in a cornerback class with J.C. Horn and Patrick Chertan, who both went top 10. And we sat here and said that Caleb Farley's better. We believe in Caleb Farley more. We have Caleb Varley CB1. And he goes 22. I think the Titans could have got an absolute steal there. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, who we didn't hit on before we get out of here? Jamar Chase ended up going number five overall. We didn't dig into that too much, but you know they end up going Chase over Sewell. Ben and I both told y'all that it was going to be Chase, even though we believe that Sewell should have been the pick. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that one. We also had Greg Newsom. I felt like he was a big lock to Cleveland when we had Nathan Zagura on for the guest mock draft series. He was he was to the moon that Greg Newsom was on the board, and that made me believe that wow, okay, well, if Newsom's there, I think that's definitely the direction Cleveland's going to go. Jamin Davis, we mentioned him being a lock to the Washington football team, and that ends up happening. Big military background, super athletic linebacker, a guy that Ron Rivera clearly loved. Anybody else that you wanted to mention before we got out of here, good or bad?
1: Eric Stokes' pick was a little bit weird. Uh, shout out Odafe Owe, who was, uh middle name is Jason. Long went by Jason, was drafted by the Ravens, said, listen, this is the NFL, y'all going to call me by my real name? Did not know that about Jason Owe, so Odafe Owe. Shoutouts outs to him. think that's going to be fun for Baltimore. Greg Rousseau was a surprise, but also oh, I kind of get it. Big end. Buffalo, they like his production, whatever. Um, you had Collins to the Cardinals for a while. Yeah, they love him because they like big hybrid players that they don't know what to do with. So good job. Have fun putting him on the field in, a, in the wrong way. Um, Greg Newsom to the Browns at 26. Might be... I think we might see Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward on a little graphic during the first quarter of the AFC championship game, talking about what they're able to do in coverage. You know what I mean? Like Newsom right. might be a over like tipping them over the the edge sort of a pick because listen, I would have really liked edge or linebacker or interior defensive line, all three of those positions are, we can need help with that Brown secondary doggone good. They have Troy Hill right now as a corner four. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna be able to uh, win passing downs with coverage. And that, that analytics, Andrew Berry coverage over pass rush kind of prioritization. Uh, and then they also have a dude named Miles Garrett, who if that Browns secondary can force that quarterback to run to the ball 2.25, 2.5 seconds, Miles Garrett, baby. Let's go win a Defensive Player of the Year, shall we?
0: Peyton Turner going to the Saints first round. I mean, if it was going to um, be anywhere, it feels like it was yeah. going to be the Saints.
1: Love Peyton Turner, was surprised to see that one.
0: Yeah, big surprise, no doubt about it. All right, before we get out of here, got to remind you guys about the best tasting protein bars ever. It's folks over at BuiltBar.com. They've got 18 amazing flavors, whether it's fruit-based, chocolate-based, nut-based, whatever it is, whatever kind of protein bar that you love, BuiltBar.com's got you. They're low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber as well. They're great for a keto diet, if that's something that you're on. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, that's LOCK15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15, get that 15% off. The best-tasting protein bars on the planet over at BuiltBar.com. Ben and I got plenty more podcasts and episodes for you throughout draft weekend. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.